Hey up and welcome to the Temple of Bleh. This is a conversation with Logan Tabor, the vocalist of All the Pretty Things. Now, there's this podcast with Doc Coyle of God Forbid and Bad Wolves, where he articulates that backstage at a metal concert isn't what you think it is. It's a lot of like dudes in their 40s doing yoga. This is kind of an articulation on that observation. And you'll figure it out as you listen through. But yeah, if you there's a lot of me pontificating and taking ages to stick the landing on some questions, but you know, you should be used to that by now. All the pretty things are on all your favourite streaming platforms. They're currently drip-feeding us singles in the run-up to the album release, which I believe is as of yet untitled, but if I'm wrong about that, I'll also put that in the description. I'm sure someone will tell me if I'm wrong. The quickest way to get all the pretty things in your ears is to just get on Spotify or whatnot and type in Teenage Lines. That'll take you to one of their singles, and is personally my favourite track from them. So, let's get into it. One, two, fuck shit up! Let's just kick off. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Logan, and, and taking time. Um, all the pretty things. I want to start... I've, I've done a bit of prep. I've been listening to the music and listening to a few interviews and things like that. And I want mm -hmm. to talk briefly about the music, but... All the interviews that we've done so far, I say we, uh, you guys have done so far, there's almost an implication that All the Pretty Things is like an, in an embryonic state ready to be unleashed onto the world. And I disagree with that. I think it's a thing that's in flight and it's currently in progress. So all my questions are going to be kind of like a bit further down in the process. Um, and you'll just have to bear with me because, yeah, man, not, Jamie knows like I just pontificate and I get... You know, I, I try and I, I circle the drain before arriving at an actual question. So you just have to bear with me, I'm afraid. Oh, um, good. Yeah, let's 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 get in. You know, let's do it. The sound itself, man, it's a breath of fresh air because I, I, it was, I can't find this is the good news, right? I can't think of anything that it exactly sounds like. I couldn't draw like a particular one singular influence or one singular um, path that it was trying to go down. But I also thought. This is 2004 or 2007, what Radio Rock should have been, but it went down the emo route. That's That was the sexy thing. They didn't know that there was there was like a, a, a good hard rock viability, which is what I think All the Pretty Things delivers. Is that Does that ring a bell with you? Does that sort of add up for you, that assessment? I know it's a very, it's a very singular way of looking at it, but was that the intention to sort of bring that kind of what how do i say it there's a youthful there's a youthfulness to it there's right. an articulation to it um an accessibility to it all at the same time which just reminds me of that era that 2005 kind of thing does that make sense to you yeah that's kind of how it uh started off you know so we had um we had just a few ideas floating around that were pretty well fleshed out but you know, we all we all kind of came from that early two thousands um, hard rock bleeding into you know like emo leaning hard rock um, yeah. era, and I think we had all kind of gotten away from it to some extent, you know, with other projects since that time. Um, and when I heard these songs at first, I was like, "Oh man, that that takes me right back to like my wheelhouse, the stuff I was writing." in 2004 to like 2009 something somewhere in there you know and i was just pumped to to work on it but to also you know have like sort of a new frame of mind about the approach you know i was like we're, we're older now we're more mature we can sort of inject this music with 
more thought provoking lyrics and, you know, really focus in on song structure, what needs to be there, what doesn't, you know, making everything work for the song. Um, mm. You know, always have the song and the listener in mind more so than like our own personal artistic whatever. Um, but yeah, we always, we kind of wanted to have sort of this like revival of the emo thing, but be able to use it in like a popular music format, like song formatting for pop radio. Um, but with, with the hard rock, you know how the, their songs are just like take shine down, for example, or somebody like that kind of falls into the hard rock category. Mm-hmm. These big triumphant choruses and that sort of thing. And just, good production but the song format is very pop friendly you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus or or whatever um not to say that we were trying to be boring or predictable but you know we wanted it to be accessible but still thought provoking you know i think i think the thing that sort of we say emo leading hard right the thing that's the the thing that adds the weight to the emo bit is your range shandown's a good example because it's Got that shandown has that hard rock element but when you've got your vocals that are going across the top and could get the fry a great right. fry, a great emotive fry on it. It really harkens back to those days. And in the way that music is cyclical, we now live in a post <laughs> when we were young fest. Oh, you know, yeah. So there's like, there's, it's in vogue in the sense that people aren't ignoring that emo led stuff. And that's why I, I think that that's why it felt fresh to me, right? Because whenever you had a sound like that back in those days, it was marred with the image or it was marred with the breakdown or, you know, marred with the MySpace era of highfalutin mm-hmm. um, uh, delivery and image. It was, it was, but so this feels a lot more raw. And I think a lot of that has to do with your age. So can you tell me about forming a band in your thirties? And what I'd like to articulate on this point quite a bit, cause I find it, I think it's like a, a great, I think it's a great thing, especially my experience talking about Roger and records for the last two years. I speak to a lot of 65 year olds who quit the band in their 20s, then came back and are now making a living off their first two albums, right? So I'm like, right, well, (laughs) we keep getting told this isn't an old man's game and it's a young man's game, but we're forming bands in our 30s, which rock. So what's the deal? Yeah, man, I think about that so much. That's a great question. Um, I think it's, you know, kind of like I said, it's like you take a break for a while or you go off and do a different type of music or or whatever it may be. And you come back and you're just more mature. You have like a better outlook on it. And yeah, I mean, one would one would start to think because of because we see all these pop stars that are coming out and they're like 19 to 23. You think that like starting a new band in your 30s is like oh those are just a bunch of dinosaurs roaming the stage you know but it's and and maybe we are but at the same time i think we still look pretty good you know or at least i convince myself that every morning at the top of the day so i don't you know jump off cliff or something but i think we still look look decent we're still like active we stay we stay up to date on what's actually happening in the hard rock scene and and like you said, man, it was pretty inspiring for us, two things, really, um, to see sort of this reawakening of that early 2000s era, because, man, you've got all these bands going back on tour, and they're not younger than they used to be, but yeah. they still get up there and they rock, and their fans don't care how old they are. They just love the music. And, um, man, we went to, we went to When We Were Young Fest in Vegas last year, and 
the coolest thing was not only seeing all the 30 somethings the our age that were reliving their youth so to speak but we also saw a ton of kids like kids who clearly had just recently been exposed to this this older scene like to the mcr and story of the year and and all that stuff and they had identified with it and adopted it you know there were there were kids there that were 16 years old wearing rancid shirts and and just like going for it dude it was it was rad um so it was inspiring to see that not only is my age group getting back into it but there's uh there's a an entire group of people younger people discovering it kind of like how we discovered led zeppelin you know what i mean yeah we were in high school and we were like oh this is sick this is going to be my identity now you know it's it's the same deal i, I love it i like I like that the conversation about music and how people get into music and what people can do with music as the industry and the technology has evolved. The conversation matured so much that people kind of realizing that Jimmy Page didn't just have loads of money. There was a big thing. There was loads of things happening with Led Zeppelin that got them to the state they stage they were. That you mm-hmm. when when you have those idols and you have those points of reference their business model was the mystique around the artist and the business model was about this big grandiose image, which now the mm-hmm. veil has been completely pierced on that. And it's happened. It, it was down to that generation of music. It was the MySpace generation where it was like the business model became, we need to engage on a regular basis and really show people what's behind the curtain and things like that. Right. Starting a band in your thirties, especially in the last 10 years where there hasn't been like a big guitar band that's really broken the mold. Has the industry kind of, or has your expectations of the industry sort of changed? Or have you learned anything new in the past couple of years? Or maybe just with all the pretty things, business model, is there a plan going forward to interface in this whole new world in a way that you might not have thought about previously? I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if I'm pontificating too much. Let me know if I can like rephrase that. No, I think I think I got you. Um, Yeah, so back in the day i feel like we we still hadn't quite or we i say we like actually personally not us as a society but mm-hmm. um like any of the bands that i was in you know we still we were trying with the social media thing like trying to figure that out and it was cool because you could connect with bands and people all over the world but it's even changed so much from then like so much from then it's kind of like how you know we invented the airplane in like 1912 and by 1960 we were in space yeah. you know <laughs> um, it's kind of it's kind of like that you know the past 20 years of social media have just changed again and again and again and we are finding ourselves constantly strategizing on like okay what's our what's our persona going to be as a unit what's our personas what are our personas going to be as individuals mm-hmm. um how to utilize all these platforms and yeah it's a little challenging at times for us and we have to like go get insight from dare I say younger folks um, as to how to use certain platforms and, um, and that sort of thing. But I don't know if I'm, am I getting around to, to yeah, your oh, question? Absolutely. Or I, absolutely. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dovetail it with some, one of my own observations of, of people in the similar position as yourself. Okay. So I think the, the point that we're kind of, we're arriving at the same landing strip. The, there is no business model these days. We can't, no one can agree what the business model is because it's, it's right. changed completely, right? There's an understanding that touring is where the money is, as is merch. 
And there's obviously a big conversation about venue cuts and post-COVID. And over here in the UK, touring is like almost non-viable for US bands just because of the weird political stuff that's been going on. But but this at the same time, it's a landscape which is like rife and it's fertile for innovation. And an, an example I give this in, in this regard is a guy called Matt Hafey from a band called Trivium, who you may well be familiar with. So that guy, mm-hmm. I don't think Trivium have an album cycle anymore. I think Matt has a Twitch stream cycle, which is uh, always on. And the album is informing that, which sounds daft until you realize what, until you're sort of thinking about where the money's transacting. Because there's no money yeah. in record sales. So it's not that. The money's in the touring, which also informs his streams because he streams the live shows. And then he's performing his songs on his streams when he's back home. You know what I mean? So it's like, the flow of the business for his band, it kind of transacts outside of the conventional retail or the conventional streaming platforms. It's a different world completely. So that's why I'm interested when when you're saying we're trying to strategize over the different personas and we're trying to strategize on the different platforms. Cause I don't have the patience for it. If I was in a band now, I'd be like, right. I cannot be fucked with this. This is a full-time job for someone who has to know how to game the algorithm because that's the deal, isn't it? You have to try and go viral. That's the, you got to try and yeah. catch the wave and there's no way to do that by design. Yeah, man, it's it's almost like getting in a routine, coming up with a plan, sticking to a routine, researching as much as you possibly can on posting times, posting frequency, hashtagging, uh dude i mean the whole thing and and we're all we're all doing research worth and i have even talked about um so so he and i occasionally will work on say a short film or something where i'll do the editing and i'll toss over you know the audio mastering to him and we've been tossing around the idea of maybe this post-production studio but but like looping in essentially like an in-house live streaming studio you know where it's just equipped with you know your your camera and your audio switcher someone to someone to run it lights uh fog all all the all this stuff a bunch of different camera angles and just essentially working that working towards that being what we would do as like supplemental touring depending on you know what the climate's like touring wise and just when we're not touring having a place to do these live streams and, you know, take, take tips or, um, the, the whole, is it the Patreon what suge- deal? What and- suggesting is a digital club where you're the house band. Exactly. I like your, club. your way of putting it was much more eloquent. I, I appreciate you coming <laughs> in with the save there, dude. <laughs> no, no, it's cool though, because like, this is, this is what I mean, man. It's like, it's totally fertile, the environment to do stuff like that. Not knowing if it's going to be uh, successful or not, but trying to find a way where it's like, what's fun? What's fun? Right. And therefore we can maximize our opportunities on there because we're going to be doing it often. Right. That's right. how, that's the only way you can game the system these days. Because I say gaming the system, there is no system. It's a completely different kettle of fish. You have to make it. We're we're like making the rules up as we go, essentially. And if you find a formula that works, you can just you just gotta like hone in on it and beat it to death. See what you can do with it. In the same capacity then, so why singles? Cause this is another thing that's changed. Uh, we're, we're drip feeding singles out there. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like going for the album cycle or, or building up a PR front on that is it was there a strategy behind that or was there a thinking behind that that I'm not totally key well, to, clued into 
you know we actually just we had we had this batch of three songs right that we we had finished probably last year sometime and we had talked about just continuing on on this cycle of singles because it seemed like a lot of people were doing that not everybody but um in the meantime so we got two singles out now um and in the meantime we just we just said fuck it and we recorded a whole album and um so i'm thinking and now i don't know the full strategy yet so it's just you know take it with a grain of salt but um it's it seems like we're probably going to do one more single and then hopefully put out the rest of the album as like a way of sort of championing the old ways you know (laughs) drop a couple good ones and then they're included on the album, but then the album comes out and you have this big piece of work that people can get excited about. And it's got artwork with it and just the, the whole deal. And man, that's why it's so tough. It's like, we're trying to integrate with this modern way of doing things while at the same time, sort of paying homage to the way things were when we were growing up. Yeah. Cause people identify with that, you know? And- I also think there's also something to be said about the process itself. Um, iteratively doing things with singles, works i think from a to getting people engaged especially i guess at this stage um because as i say it's a band that's in flight and doing things when we do things like this like media it's one footprint another footprint another footprint and the presence increases so when the album drops there's a foundation i do get that yeah justin hawkins from the diners he had an interesting take on albums versus singles which is you the album has to be done in two or three weeks it has to be done it doesn't matter if there's bad takes because you just comp them or whatever and if, if it's not perfect that's fine because the whole idea is it has to capture a particular uh, moment in time and right. I, with some and i think with someone like him i totally get it because he's quite a big flamboyant person i say flamboyant he's a big personality and his stage persona is quite flamboyant and very sort of like 70s um glam rock british glam rock so you kind of okay. get you kind of get like when I listen to Pinewood Smile, which is like one of my favorite Dinosaur albums, you can tell that week he was super into Sweet, or he was super uh-huh. into, and I can't, I, but it's about that window. I'm just wondering if that's the kind of thing that you could get on board with in terms of an album making process, or in relation to the All the Pretty Things album, was this a train of thought that was captured in a particular moment and time, or was it iteratively built over a year or so? Man, you know, it's interesting because it's kind of both. Uh, so we had all these demos that eventually turned in to the album. Um, and they were probably with us for about a year. Um, but over the course of like from, from today and going back about two or three months in that time period, we basically rewrote most of it. Um, you know, we had Tristan come down here and do all his guitars. Jeremy come down here and do all of his drums. And in that time period, I wrote and recorded all the vocals as well. So we did kind of condense it down. Like you're saying, it wasn't as as short of, of a time period as two or three weeks. It was more like two or three months. But at the same time, you know, I've, I've moved in with Worth. And Worth's house is where the studio is. Uh, so we just, we just lived and breathed this thing, man. It was like... It would keep me up at night. I'm still awake at night from this thing. It just completely disrupted my sleep schedule, my my patterns of thinking. And um, it's it's interesting, man. You know, you, you think there are going to be times you're like, are we going to make it? Am I going to have enough viable 
lyrical ideas or melodic ideas in that period of time. But once you start down that path of trying to capture this moment in time, this this feeling or this this series of feelings or the state of mind that you're in while doing it, it just kind of starts coming out, man. And you can't yeah. stop it. You can't do anything to stop it. And I think that is the cool thing. Um, now, we didn't do it in two or three weeks again, but it was I do think it captured like who we were right in this two or three month period. I think it's the the mechanics of how you can access flow. That's Mm -hmm. the thing, isn't it? And I think this is another advantage to having a band in your 30s. I think in another interview, you mentioned you have notebooks and you write in the notebooks. And um, I think with the other interviewer, he was trying to compare like that versus having notes on your phone or onto like a piece. And I was thinking the reason it works for me is writing with a pen is instant flow. Whereas yeah. if you have to get to a PC, there's like there's block tasks. You have to turn yep. the PC on. You got to open the software. You've got to scroll past your other notes, and then you got to start tapping. And that to me isn't flow. It's a staggered, weird process. But again, I think that's that's an advantage of your decision you've made as a mature person in this industry. Move in with worth. Get into the mindset. Yeah, because that's where Same you're going deal. to get the tap. Yeah, man, because there would be nights where, you know, we will have, say, like, five in the afternoon, we started recording. We probably did vocal takes until, like, from five to eight or five to nine. Then we would kind of sit around, you know, maybe eat food and, and listen to some music and get inspired. And there would be times at, like, midnight, I'd be like, okay, now I need to scream my guts out for the next hour and get this one really nasty part because I was just feeling it. But had I gone back to my house all the way across town, wouldn't have been able to wouldn't have been able to capture mm. certain moments man so it is it, it was pretty important i don't think it would have happened in nearly that time frame if i hadn't just dropped everything and moved into worth's house so <laughs> how do you keep on top of your how do you keep on top of your voice then have, have you got like a routine as a have you got a an exercise routine no um man i don't i wish i had a more interesting answer for you i uh I try, I've noticed for sure the biggest thing that messes me up is lack of sleep. Really? Like if I'm, which has been an issue because with all this stuff going on in my head, there's been a lot of times where I haven't slept, but, um, you know, drinking's not great for it. Smoking's not great for it. I do those things occasionally, but as long as I get a pretty good <laughs> bit of sleep, um, I should be all right. And there is sort of a, you know, so for that register that you're you're talking about, the sort of fryish register, like the chorus yeah. of teenage lines, mm-hmm. um, there is sort of a there's a funny little break in period with that particular part of my voice, and, it, and what it really is is like, you know, I need to sing normal for a while, and then I need to almost this is, sounds terrible, like oh singers everywhere are just going to cringe. I almost need to like hurt myself for about twenty minutes trying to access that register. <laughs> and then take a 10 minute break. And when I come back, it's like, found it. Wow. Let's roll. It's the weirdest thing, man. But, and, and, but I mean, I've been singing for 20 years and it literally took me most of this time to kind of find that routine and find certain registers that are on the album. And it's very it's strange. You can, yeah. And if it's something you carry on doing, it's, it's going to be one of those things you're going to find more over the next 20 years. You'll find exactly. it like you got to hang upside down like a bat and recite something and then oh it's there great you know yeah i gotta put on a gas mask and and sit on a park bench while recording in order 
<laughs> yeah, man. So what's the what's the plan going forward then? Is it is it is now the time where you're looking at getting on the road? I know it feels like when we talk about the the, the pandemic and like the 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 moves of the industry since then, it only in earnest. I think people have only been touring properly for about a year, eighteen months. I know, so man. So what's the what's wow. the next step then? Is it is it getting on the road? Is it trying to hone in the live sound? Yeah, I think I think so. We need to um, get the mix back of this album. I think we're gonna try to um, try to shop it around a bit. Maybe that's all you know, here and there, whatever. And um, we need to get it back and then start strategizing. And I do think that the plan is to maybe start um, going for festivals and that sort of thing. I'm just kind of start, starting to like integrate into the community make some good friends, which we already do have some pretty good friends that are, that are on these festivals and that are in this sort of hard rock scene. Um, but you know, we want to like, um, we want to just kind of like integrate with everybody, make some friends, see if we can hop on a tour. Um, and if nothing else, just try to do it ourselves, man. I think we're, I think we're at a point where if we, if we play our cards right promotion wise with, with this album, we, I mean, we've got a, we got a really really good album that i think doesn't sound like anything else you know it like I, like you said earlier it, it leans towards this sometimes and it leans towards that it's sometimes. a breath of fresh air is what it is but i appreciate that man that that means a lot and and dude we put a lot of work into making sure the rest of the record followed suit with that and um you know that can either work one of two ways people can either be afraid of it because they haven't quite heard anything like it but i'm we're all pretty confident man it's like it's it's got a thing that I think people will latch on to. And we're just gonna, you know, like I said, try to do the festival thing, try to do small tours here and there. And um, just make sure we don't give up, dude. It's it's gonna be a lot of work, but we're, Again, we're ready th for it. This is the 30s bug, man, because like, because you've been in this game for long enough, you can manage your expectations and you can be kind of cool with it regardless. And like, yeah, exactly. get the, the festival runs and maybe get onto a tour. That's all the activities of like proving to one yourselves and everyone else that, okay, it is a real thing. And there is like a, right. there's a momentum and there's a metabolism that you can sort of tap into, you know? Yeah. So you, you were saying you'd um, you'd do some video editing. I guess it is, is a plan. You can take that on the road. Couldn't you? It depends on, I guess it depends on what you use. Yeah. It depends on the more so like the, um, the, the, I guess the weight of the project. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, It'd be kind of maybe tough to. I mean, it depends on the rig. I might be able to swing it with like a Mac Mini and a, a little monitor or something. Um, what do you? But use? yeah, a lot of the file sizes kind of kind of get out of control sometimes if you don't have the right rig. But yeah, yeah, I I use DaVinci Resolve, which um, I know they've they've up they, they keep launching new products and there's this really amazing like cloud functionality now so you could be editing from anywhere yeah. in the world because all the infrastructure sat somewhere else um but yeah i mean no it's it's these days it's a lot easier to do these things while operating a band i think it's never been an option before and we're going to see more of it right. i think it's 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 again killing the idea it's again back to that what we're saying about the the culture's in a, a weird place. The business is in a weird place. No one's ever thought, if you're going to be in a rock band, dude, you're going to have to sacrifice this, sacrifice that. It's like, yeah, those things. But I can fucking work on the road. It's not like a big deal. We can definitely like lower the stakes. We can do everything and lower the stakes. Yeah. It's just 
just got to want to live the life you want to live. <laughs> right. Yeah, dude, it's, that's honestly the cool thing. That's going to be the, the saving grace. There is the fact that, you know, I think most of us will be able to sort of keep working to some extent where we don't have to put everything on the line, yeah. you know, not that we wouldn't. I mean, we, we definitely want it bad enough to put everything on the line hypothetically, but it's this day and age. You just don't, you don't have to, it's not as much of a risk or liability. And, um, yeah, like you said, just managing expectations. It's like, yeah, we're going to be, we're going on the road because we're working, not because we're going to go party and destroy our brains and like, you know, not take care of ourselves. Like we're going to be going to bed every night, hopefully by midnight and then waking up and working for a few hours and getting to the next gig, man. It's just constant yeah. work. But... It, it's also when we do lower the stakes like that and we're not trying to put everything on the line, we're just having fun it opens up an entire avenue of we can take risks because we're just having fun and we can do what feels right and the incentive structure is a bit more pure and a bit more grounded and again this is why it's why i'm excited by people in their 30s starting bands (laughs) there's a different direction yeah and we've you know we've all we've all had our ups and downs in in the music career you know we've all had hopeful moments where our dreams got crushed just every the rug pulled out from under us. We've also had moments of victories and that sort of thing. So I think we're all just jaded enough to like keep our head out of the clouds and like to remain realistic and to be respectful and like to ourselves and to each other and to just like not take it too hard when things don't immediately happen overnight, you know? Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Moving into a bit of a, a more laid back place what bands are you excited about these days i know you cite chris cornell quite often in terms of um <sighs> yeah, yeah in terms of influences I'm, I'm thinking what's got you excited like it's on the scene right now um man i gotta say the fact that coheed is is back in business is really really exciting for me I, I, I love those dudes um and I mean, it's not like they ever really stopped but they just put out that album i think it was last year that is an absolute slammer and they're on a touring cycle right now they're gonna come through our hometown with the incubus and i'm just like wow this is this is the greatest musical revival like reawakening of all time <laughs> this is like incubus and coheed on the same bill just coming through my hometown what where 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 are we um <laughs> But man, I've been I've been really getting pumped about um I mean I love all the like the really the insanely technical uh metal like the Polyphias and the Plinies of the world right now. They're just mm-hmm. mm, just killing it. Doing doing lots of good stuff for me. Um but to be honest with you, the like the female led R and B scene has really, really been doing it for me. Like the Sabrina Claudios of the world. Um Okay, I'm going to put some names down. Sabrina Claudios. Got to do Sabrina Claudio. Look up an album called Truth Is. That's just, Worth makes fun of me all the time for listening to this. But dude, it is it is like the sexiest. It's like Billie Eilish, but straight up like sexy R&B. Right, you know? right. You know, Interesting. Yeah. On the, the Coheed front. Oh, sorry, continue. I'll, I'll, I'll come back. Oh, no, 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 you're good. I'd, I'd much rather talk about the Coheed front. I, was, I haven't heard the new album, but that Jesse's Girl 2 was like, you know when they do the Spotify raps at the end of the year? Like, it must have been like mm-hmm. third or fourth or something like that. It was like, I've constantly had that on repeat. It's just like a summertime jam. That awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, they just, they know what they're doing, man. They always have great production. They're very thoughtful about 
their songwriting, but they also, they just don't like compromise. Well, like that dude says some of the weirdest stuff anyone has ever said on a pop song, but it works. I don't know what it is. He just, just this demon with a big set of hair and he just, <laughs> it's incredible. I love this point of, of of an artist's career, though, where it's like you can track it. You can go. Um, pretty, I think for them it was like Apollo Four was probably the, the biggest one, and then the audience sort of contracts into this set of diehards, and then the band oh, yeah. enter the space which you're in now, which is we know what we're doing. We've been at this for a while now. We can kind of just have fun with it, and that's what I think produces like some of the more interesting stuff, and that's why I mean you can get nostalgic about welcome home and you can be nostalgic about being at the festivals in the UK when that stuff happened, but that will only keep your file lit while you're remembering it. Right. You've got to get mm-hmm. on board with the new, this is why I like, like Metallica put a new album. I've not actually listened to it yet, but that's why I think it's important that they keep pushing things forward and keep trying to invent new things. Cause I want to be able to say when Claudio from Coheed is in his sixties, he can generate that still that kind of fire and do things that are interesting. You know, I think that's... he's got, I think he's the type of dude that's got what it takes to to keep being that rad when he's like just falling. <laughs> you know, not that not that the Metallica guys are falling apart. I haven't heard the new Metallica record either, but I'll bet it. The thing is, I'll... I've lost your audio, mate. Oh, hello. There we go. There we go. Yeah, me. Um, yep. yeah, I was saying I I hadn't um. I hadn't heard the new Metallica either, but I just, I bet it's awesome. They just have a way of doing it. Like I'll, I'll say, we won't talk about saying anger. I'll just mention <laughs> that we won't talk about saying anger, but then they came back with death magnetic dude. And that album absolutely destroys. Mm. And I mean, and they just keep, they just keep it happening. Man, I hope I can, hope I can sustain it the way some of these dudes have. It's yeah. yeah. It's, it inspires hope, you know, it's cool. In the, in the spirit of like new new bands and things, I'm trying to push this band I've heard from Norway called Moron Police. Horrible name. But they're like, right. I find it really interesting. Like they put out a, an album four years ago now, Jesus, called um, A Boat on the Sea. And the way I've kind of described it is messed up, mm-hmm. messed up Elton John with Faith No More as a backing band. It's just like, oh my really, God. yeah, really eclectic, but the vocal hooks are really big. But it's kind of a prog band, but everyone seems to refer as a prog band to them as a prog band. But I'm like, no, these hooks are way too sexy. This is more pop rock than it is prog. But right. I'll, I'll fire some over to you and you can make your own judgment. But everyone, everyone that yeah, I need to, like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, everyone I send it to is like, I don't know. I'm not feeling this. I'm like, how I can't be the only person <laughs> who, who's um, yeah, yeah. Please, please send me that because now I'm insanely curious. Your description of it was intriguing, very <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, I've, I'm done in terms of of questions. Is there anything else that you want to plug in terms of upcoming milestones or anything that's that's happening on the on the band front that you want to? Highlight or no, is, it, is I mean, it just a wait and see w- w- way of doing things at the minute? Yeah, you know, um, I mean, at this point, I think we need to. We finally we sent the album off to get mixed, so definitely, if you're interested, keep be on the lookout for album updates. But in the meantime, I think we're gonna kind of like shift gears, and we really need to move over to uh, our social media platforms and start pushing this TikTok thing that I am 
so very new to. Um, <laughs> so look for us on there. And then, you know, obviously the normal ones, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, but I think we're going to have to kind of pivot and start really pushing those social media outlets and um, bringing the, bringing the audience in so that when, when the time comes to put the album out, we got some people to show it to, you know? I'm interested in the digital bar idea as well. I know I'm calling it that and you're not calling it that, but um, I think- No, you you actually fully changed my perspective on what that could be. And now I'm having all sorts of ideas. I'm like really pumped that you put it in into perspective like that. That, that rules, that changes the whole thing, which in a good way. <laughs> cool. I'm glad to hear it because like, like I say, man, it's fertile ground. Just fucking, just do what feels right and just just keep keep doing it, man. That's the yeah, fun. See, yeah, yeah. There'd be no point unless it was fun, right? Unless it was no point if it was not fun, right? Yeah, I agree. And oh, yeah, you, you just saying the words digital bar is like, I'm like, yes, that's the thing. <laughs> we gotta have like background actors and stuff. No, I'm, 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 I'm gonna send you updates. <laughs>